You're listening to Modern Marketing, a podcast brought to you by Influicity. At Influicity, we build brand communities that drive revenue. Learn more at Influicity.com. On today's episode, Influicity CEO John David speaks with Mitchell Fawcett, VP of Marketing at GoAway Travel. Mitchell, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, John. Nice to be here. Why don't you share your first insight? Sure. So my insight is that creating your annual marketing strategy is so much more than just building a deck. It should really be a rigorous process of research and planning. That's extra top of mind for me, having just left a decade in the agency world and, and now starting my chapter on client side. And it's funny you, you, you referenced that building a deck versus really putting a strategy together. Do you find that the kind of deck analogy when you say that, do you mean that it's kind of a superficial way to look at a brand versus actually going in deeper? Totally. It can also be overly formulaic and templated and really lack the imagination and the depth that I feel is required to really build a winning plan. Was that something that you thought of in your agency days? I mean, spending a decade in the agency world, did you kind of think this when you left and went to the brand side? Or is this something you kind of thought of in year three, six, nine? Well, what's interesting is that I was exposed to countless marketing plans and strategies that our clients would give us. And it was kind of up to us to interpret, to build on and to do with them what we what we do best. So we saw all sorts of varieties and some were fantastic and, and some were, you know, those really formulaic briefs that just didn't really go as deep as they should have. So I got to see the good and the bad and was really excited to apply some of those learnings myself. And then, of course, the agency strategy planning world is is thorough, to say the least. So I was looking forward to bringing that level of uh, depth and rigor to my own planning. Yeah. So you said in your notes here, you have be crystal clear on top level organizational objectives to ensure marketing maps directly to them. So top level organizational objectives. I wonder just for our listeners, if you can maybe give some context, like what's an example of an organizational objective and how that might distill down to your actual strategy or tactics? Yeah, absolutely. So in many cases, this will be a sales goal, a revenue goal, or potentially a growth or scaling goal. And pretty much everything in a marketing strategy should connect to every organizational goal at the top level. So anything that's kind of established by the C-suite, you know, your mission, vision, or whatever is in store for you in that year, whether it's financial or engagement or internal from um, sort of like an employer branding perspective. So those absolutely set the vision and every top level marketing strategy goal should also connect to those. And then of course you unpack those further and really understand how the different marketing areas, tactics and activities all support those goals. Do you find that in the agency world also, and I never worked at, I mean, I, I own an agency, but I've never worked at another agency. And I wonder, do the politics also play a role in terms of like, hey, we know what's best for the client. Like we really want the client to do this, but we actually have a feeling that they would probably rather do this. And so you start to have almost strategies and principles that, that pull at each other. Is that something that, that you found prevalent or did you actually find that the best strategy won? Yeah, I think it's super healthy to have a bit of tension between the client's vision and the agency's expertise. And we ultimately ended up building a lot of respect and uh, and validation of our tactics when we disagreed with what was initially set out. Of course, you always have to come to the table with the rationale, the data, and the insights to back that up. But if we had something in mind that was not a part of the initial brief or was not 
what the client had in mind at all. You know, that tension is healthy. You make sure you approach that tactfully, but then ultimately the best idea should win. Um, the importance of creating time and space for blue sky thinking for yourself mm-hmm. and for senior marketing leaders. So when you talk about creating blue sky thinking, are you thinking like, let's go on a retreat and, you know, into, into the wilderness and let's, and let's really <laughs> blue sky this? Or do you just mean more like every day creating time and space in your daily environment? It's a bit of both. And let me tell you, if there are literal blue skies involved during your blue skies thinking, it's only going to get better. I'm from the West Coast and, you know, those nature retreats are a big part of business actually and never fail to deliver. But it could be a little bit of everything. I would encourage marketing leaders not to overthink, you know, the process. You know, a three-day retreat with all sorts of workshopping and, and structured brainstorming can be fantastic, but, you know, don't always have the time for that. And, you know, an annual retreat, if it only comes once a year, will kind of limit the timing of, of this process. So I really encourage my leadership team and, and people in the industry to make time for free thinking monthly, weekly, even a certain part of your day, if there's any sort of mindfulness practice that you can introduce. Ultimately, it's about eliminating distractions, first and foremost. So your screens, your devices, whatever it is, or just the stress or whatever's happening in your day. And then finding a framework or a process or a formula that kind of works for you to let those ideas flow and to let your mind wander in places that it normally wouldn't. Yeah, I find it's also just about breaking the rhythm. I mean, going into a, you know, doing an outdoor setting or going into the wilderness or doing a resort retreat, that is kind of the easy answer. And that's a great way to do it, but it's not so practical all the time. Mm-hmm. But just putting yourself in a scenario where you don't have your phone, you don't have your screen, your iPad, your your colleague, you know, it could just be putting your devices away and going for a 20 minute walk where, mm-hmm. where you have nothing to distract you and your mind is able to flow Getting into those flow states, I find actually is where a lot of the best thinking comes from. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, It's different for everyone. And it took me a long time to figure out some of the different methods that worked for me. So it's all about experimentation. So you talk about not overlooking the research and analysis phase. The landscape is constantly shifting and you should revisit. And then you put four points here. Uh, Audiences, comp set, SWOT, and trends. Of these, I understand totally. Others, I don't. Um, so let's start with comp set. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So this can be connected to your SWOT analysis, but I love a good competitor analysis. In general, there's endless amounts of information that are publicly available about whoever you're up against. And you know, if you're in a healthy competitive set, those folks will be changing and shifting strategies, evolving, repositioning. So you really got to keep your fingers on that pulse. There's so much that you can learn that will either inspire some of your own new ideas creatively or will refine your business strategy to make sure that you're remaining competitive. This was a, a big process in the agency world, one that I always just generally enjoyed, just a sense of curiosity about who's best in class, who's doing better, who's doing worse, where you fall is very illuminating. Yeah, and a SWOT, a strength, weakness, opportunities, threats analysis, how often are you doing those? Is that a quarterly exercise, annual? Yeah, the most thorough ones should be done as part of annual planning for sure and really built into that strategy deck or whatever it is that you're building and presenting. It's one of the first places that I really like to start to feel like I have a true lay of the land. And you learn a lot about yourselves through that exercise of comparison. It's a, sort of a ruthless introspection that you should really lean into. And I find that that lays the foundation for a lot of the strategies and tactics that would follow. 
This podcast is brought to you by Influicity. Since 2015, we've been building brand communities that drive revenue. First, we did it through influencers. Then we added podcasts. Today, we work with world-class brands to build, optimize, and run breakthrough programs that create and capture demand. It's time to stop renting your influence and start owning it. Learn more at Influicity.com. And how much are you focusing on trends? Yeah, so trends should absolutely not only be looked at once a year. That's kind of a hilarious notion because in digital, especially the amount that happens in a single year, like let's look at how fast AI has moved as an example. So trends, ideally, a marketing leader should be deeply dialed into all of the different sources of trends to understand what matters. At the annual planning process, it's really when you reflect on the year past the trends that have shaped your business and really looking forward at the trends that will likely influence how you work, distilling those into some key learnings and insights because you could have 100 pages of trends that are important to your business. It's really about the ones that matter most and what you're going to do about them. Yeah, it's funny when you talk about the breakneck speed of trends changing. Like, do you remember the metaverse? Do you remember Bitcoin, like AI, VR? You know, there's so many things that kind of, they come at us so fast and furious. And that's not even including the micro trends, things that only matter to maybe your set of customers. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I'm currently working in the travel industry, and uh, this is a fascinating world. We are an industry that's deeply affected by global issues, the economy, geopolitical affairs. So there's a much broader landscape of current events and global trends that I have to keep my eye on as well. Um, How quickly a conflict in the Middle East can impact people's ability or willingness to travel and how we need to adjust to that. So, um, you know, I've come a long way in my career when I would look forward to the Hootsuite social media trends report for uh, 2015. (laughs) And now I'm really paying attention to what I read in Reuters and uh, the BBC. Yeah, it's so true. So I have a question actually about the travel industry. I just heard a stat and I have no idea if this is true or not, or what kind of data backs this up. But there are a lot of people like, let's say people in their their 20s and 30s, back in the 90s, and even the 2000s, they probably would have been spending a lot of that time saving up money to maybe buy their first house, start a family. And now there's this whole generation of people who are just spending those decades traveling. And they're not even Mm. thinking about like laying down roots and, and saving. And so I wonder the Airbnbification of our society and the fact that people really want to put a lot more emphasis on traveling, living in different places and this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Has that affected the travel industry since you've been in it over the last couple decades? Yeah. Okay. So is there a chance that you heard this trend on the Pivot podcast earlier this week? <laughs> I will tell you, I'm channeling my inner Scott and Kara on this podcast today. And yeah, that was a, a very I'm the same jokes as Scott though. I, I've got I've got a little list of things I can't say. <laughs> we gotta keep this clean. I won't go there either. <laughs> well, it's one of my favorite podcasts and uh, always interesting when I hear these travel trends that are at the level that pivots podcast scope touches. Of course they talk about Airbnb a lot and they have Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb, on as a guest sometimes. I find his insights are super helpful. That particular trend, absolutely, we are seeing in travel. And, you know, it's double-sided. The economic reality that young people are much less likely to be able to buy homes is, is kind of depressing. But the flip side of that is the importance of experience, living in the moment, living for more than physical goods, I think is, is a really positive mindset. 
So that shift is fueling a boom in travel, absolutely. The industry right now is in a really wonderful post-COVID boom. What remains to be seen is how enduring this economic boost to travel will be. The big question is, are we looking at a bunch of unspent travel slush funds that people didn't use over two years and now they're just burning through and then things may normalize? That's one way to look at it. But we really do see, you know, after two years of travel experiences that were kind of taken away from most people, it made everyone reappraise what travel means to them, how important experiences are in their lives, even the way people are gifting travel experiences as opposed to, you know, tangible goods is an encouraging shift that we've seen. Yeah. And, and almost as though travel used to be a special occasion thing you did once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, I'm going to spend four months in Portugal because why wouldn't I? Like, where else would I go? Right. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a very specific trend. We've seen long stay trips in Portugal as a country overall. Our uh, VP of finance actually did that himself. Him and his wife went to Portugal for probably about four months just to live and work from there. His wife works in marketing. Remote work was the perfect solution for them. And that type of digital nomad lifestyle is a great economic boom, especially in the younger millennial demo. So let's let's do two predictions uh, as we um, <laughs> as we start in 2024 here. What do you think the travel industry will look like? Let's say, I mean, you've been in 20 years, so as far forward as you can forecast. If we go two three years ahead, is it going to look a lot like like it does today, or do you think it'll settle back down to more of a, a how how it was in the last couple decades? Yeah, it's really hard to say. I mean, in the year ahead that we're looking at right now, most of the industry at large, I would say, is predicting another 20% increase year over year. And that's building off of an already booming year. So that positive outlook that's shared so broadly is really encouraging for the industry. There are a lot of geopolitical issues that will really shape how that unfolds. And that's something that we just truly can't predict. But we saw, you know, just in the last year, how great of an impact that had. So we're all really hopeful and optimistic that the geopolitical landscape will be a little bit calmer. It won't have the impact that it does. It's interesting. There's a volcano that's kind of brewing in Iceland right now, and everyone's keeping their eyes on that as well. So we have to have a a dose of reality with uh, our positive outlooks, but it's something that is really interesting to watch unfold. And then what's your prediction on what are you thinking about in terms of marketing platforms? So obviously, you know, we have TikTok, we've got the emergence of AI, we've got so much going on. What are you thinking about as most impactful in your marketing strategy? Mm-hmm. I would say personalization is probably the biggest trend. Everything that you just named are huge technology shifts and absolutely will lead into those. And personalization is a big part of a couple of the things that you just named, in fact. But we are learning that everyone's unique and personal travel styles are ever growing. And as the industry evolves, we are adapting into those. And something that's been at the forefront of that is loyalty programs for airlines and hotels, which are two of the most significant components of any travel experience. And the bar has just been set continually higher and higher. We need to know our customers. We need to know exactly how they like to travel. We need to know the the little touches that make a travel experience even more memorable to them. And so with the standards set really high, a travel company like GoAway needs to meet those expectations. We are a custom travel experience provider. 
And that really means making a tailor-made trip exactly the way our clients like to travel. So collecting the data, organizing the data, and using that data to market and service is the biggest focus for us at the moment. Everybody is a market of one. Mm-hmm. hundred percent. Yep. And uh, when you travel, you really feel that sense of identity and, and your preferences are loud and clear. Mitchell, thanks so much for joining me today. Pleasure to be here, John. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Modern Marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity, empowering marketers to build customer communities that drive revenue. We create massive demand via social, influencer, content, paid media, and of course, podcast. Learn more at Influicity.com.